Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. We are to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. And on this podcast, we hope to make real life a bit more simple. So can evaluating your life be a little bit more easy? Well, we're here with Jimmy Dykes, who is a basketball analyst for ESPN and an author of a new book called The Film Doesn't Lie. Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Rusty, it's great to be with you, man. I appreciate you having me on and look forward to visiting with you about my book and about the, the, the love of Jesus in our life and the, the change that He can make in our hearts. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's get the less important stuff out of the way and let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk basketball a bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey, where you grew up. Obviously, you went to school at Arkansas, played basketball there, and then how you ended up being a uh, color commentator for ESPN College Basketball. Yeah, it's really a, a, a fascinating story to me. When I look back at it, I, I played at Arkansas for a, a now Hall of Fame coach, Eddie Sutton. And then I went into college coaching uh, for about six or seven years as an assistant. I was with Coach Sutton at Arkansas, the University of Kentucky, Oklahoma State as an assistant coach. And then I got into the NBA, Rusty, for about three years as an NBA scout. And at one of those games, I uh, just got introduced to a guy that worked for ESPN, and he mentioned they were always looking for someone to be an analyst on games. I really didn't have much of an interest, but I, I uh, stayed in contact with him and uh, actually did a couple of games for ESPN, and a couple of games became 10, 10 became 20, and 20 became 40 over a period of about <laughs> two or three years. So God just crossed my path with – the right guy at the right time. I just kind of fell into that job, but uh, I think I just finished my 23rd year overall as a college basketball analyst for ESPN. I've done multiple sports for ESPN and ABC. I did my first uh, NBA game this past year as a college analyst working on the NBA side. So it's given me a great platform, uh, opened a lot of doors. It's it's crazy. Those four meaningful letters, ESPN, how many doors and, and the voice that it's given me. So I just, I'm so thankful to God that he's done that in my life. And I try to, like everybody else, hopefully just try to make the most of where he has me and Mm. uh, hopefully impact his kingdom any way that I can. Um, I think for most of us who watch sports, we, listen to the commentators and sometimes we agree with them we disagree with them we think they're they're uh, you know they've got a preference sometimes and who they pick on <laughs> um, what what's the most difficult thing about doing that job I mean I would imagine you're trying to watch the game live watch the the game on on the screen trying to draw up plays for us to know you got somebody talking in your ear the whole time and you got to engage with a co-host I mean, to walk us through what we don't know about that job. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question that I, I don't get asked a lot. But there's a, I think there's a an art, maybe a little bit of, of a gift of staying calm in that chaos that you just described because it is chaos for for two straight hours of a college basketball broadcast because it's typically myself and a play by play guy, and then we may have a sideline reporter at the same time on the broadcast. Uh, my job as an analyst is to break down the game and be the coach, be the voice of why and what's going on on the floor mm-hmm. and describing to the viewers, you know, just why certain actions are happening. 
So I have to have the ability to forecast and, 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 and think ahead of the game in terms of what I think is going to happen next. I have to be able to break it down in terms of what's going on and why there's a lead and why there's a team behind. I have to be able to uh, quickly uh, take in all that information in front of me, not only watching with my eyes the game, I'm looking at stats, I'm listening to the producer in my ear, talking about different things. But at the end of the day, my job is to sit there as an analyst. And this is true for any sport uh, out there that the analyst, if they for two hours in a basketball game or three hours in a football game, if they sit there for that length of time and basically just say, answer the question, why? Why does this team have the lead? Why is this team uh, have a great rebound advantage right now? Why is this team turning the ball over? Why is this team getting the foul line uh, uh, twice as much as the other team? Same way for a football analyst. If you answer that question, why, for the viewers, you're, you're pretty much doing your job at a high level. So I try to do it with all that information flying at me. Um, I've at, I'm very, very fortunate, Rusty, at my level. I work with the very best play-by-play guys in the business and the producers and directors. They help make our job as easy as possible. But it's it's a ton of preparation, a ton of film watching, a ton of watching practices, on the phone with coaches, on the phone with coaches that have played against the team I'm getting ready to, to, to have a game on the weekend. And it's it's like any other business. It's it's, it's nonstop work. But, but uh, I love the game. I, I love what it's done for me and my family. Well, that idea and that mentality of watching the film, which is an old term that it's not really film anymore. It's all digital. But, you know, coaches for years would break down film, watch the other team, uh, you know, and try to get a competitive advantage. Obviously, you have to do that on a real-time basis, but also in prep. That's kind of your metaphor for your book. Uh, The film doesn't lie. Evaluating Your Life One Play at a Time. I love this book, not just because of all the basketball stuff in it, which I obviously love, but I love just your take on taking a look at your game film, uh, just your own life. Uh, tell us why this book, where'd this come from? Yeah, I think it's a, it was a, a, a calling on my heart uh, probably two summers ago when I first started writing it. Um, I've been in position to Oh, speak at leadership seminars for men and and lead Bible studies and things. And uh, when I first started this adventure, I didn't know for sure if I was writing just a book that was going to be used maybe in uh, for for men's small group meetings, things like that. Uh, but it quickly grew into a full book, and I love that scenario of, of the film doesn't lie because it is so true. There's so much emphasis put on that at every level from the NBA to the NFL to college sports, real growth, real change, real evaluation takes place in those film rooms still today. When you sit down as a staff with your players to watch those films and see where the good, the bad, where we need to improve, all those things are on that film and that film doesn't lie, man. You are who you are as a player and as a team. And the film reveals that. And I, I just took that, very simple concept out of sports and brought it into uh, our walk and our faith and challenged the reader in terms of their obedience to just have a very quiet time of creating space in their heart, creating space in their thoughts, opening up their heart to, to God to really speak to them as a look at their own game film. And you've read the book and I take us through 10 or 11 different chapters of things I think are 
really important for all of us right now to take the time to pause and evaluate and have clear reflection, clear evaluation um, in terms of what God's written word says about how we are to handle different areas in our life. And I know it's a, it's a, it's an easy read because I wrote, I didn't have a ghostwriter. I, I wrote the entire thing. And you're, you're talking to me right now. You watch my games. I don't use big words. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So it's an easy read, but it's a challenging read because I think it calls people to really get quiet before the Lord and take a hard look at a lot of different areas in their life. But I think that's when real, true, authentic change occurs is when we take the time to do that. Well, I, I agree. And I think that a lot of us, we're moving so fast that we don't have time to evaluate and Certainly at the time we're recording this, we're all quarantined with the COVID-19 scare and gives us a lot of time for self-reflection. Now, before we dive into more of the concepts of the book, tell us about how you came to faith. Did that happen young in your life or was that kind of a, a later in life college experience or tell us about that? Yeah, probably a little bit of both, Rusty. I accepted Jesus and was baptized in a small country church just outside of Topeka, Kansas when I was 11 years old, I remember the day that I invited Christ in my heart. And the following Sunday, I got baptized. Our church was so small, we didn't have a place to hold baptisms. We had to borrow a church the next Sunday to go do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then my faith just grew like everybody else's. I didn't have one of those stories where I, I didn't have any faith at all and was on a bad path. And God God lifted me up off the ground. My, my faith is always been very real to me, even through elementary and junior high, but it really grew rusty in college. I worked at a camp in Branson, Missouri called Canacuck. Oh yeah. I know uh, Canacuck. Joe White that is, yeah. he, he and his dad just been forever. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that camp or not, but it really impacted mm -hmm. me in my college years to work at that camp in the summer and uh, grow in my own faith and be around at the time junior high, uh, high school kids and, and lead them in their walk. And it's, ever since then, it's just been, you know, who I am and certainly far, far, far from perfect in, in any area. And those things that I write about in the book are all just real, true, authentic challenges uh, to me. And I, I, I have, you know, life lessons all throughout that book, but, uh, you know, my, my faith has really, uh, I think my grip on God's hand has really strengthened over the last four or five years. It's I'm, I'm at a new level with him, a new desperate dependence with him, hmm. which is all really, really good. Mm -hmm. So in the book, you build a case for how we should evaluate our life. Talk us through how you do that on a daily basis and how you encourage others to do that. Well, I think it's a it's an intentional decision that we either make or we don't. And I don't want to go through life just driven by the waves and the wind and society carrying me and the circumstances, dictating my joy, my direction, and all those things. I, that's not God's best for us. That doesn't align with God's written word for us. And I think the intentionality for me comes into the play in the in the just the the consistency I've developed in my life. I write in the book about one percent of the time of our of our day um, and the importance that I put in that in my own life 
of spending that much time with him every morning and just setting my heart on the right things. Uh, I think something that's probably changed our family, our daughter's 14 years old, had probably changed our family as much as anything over the last four or five years is we never leave the house in the morning as a family without praying with each other. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that I sit and pray for my wife and daughter. I do that, but we, we literally hold hands and pray out loud as a family before we leave our home. And I think that's vitally important how my wife sees me as the spiritual leader in our home, how our daughter sees me in that capacity, and ultimately just putting God in the right place in our family, that he's going to get the first part of our day. We're not going to start our day without him. And so it's, uh, it, I think it's, it's just an intentional uh, evaluation of my life that got me to that point where I, where I realized, you know what? I, have, I can go down two paths the rest of my time here. I can go down the, the, the easy path, the normal path, the common path of just getting up and going through my day and giving God a, 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 a little bit of time here and there, making sure I'm going to church and tithing and doing all those things, or I can really be intentional and try to align my life with God's written word about how he has told us and instructed us and encouraged us and loved us and commanded us to go through life. And that's, that's what I try to do. I, I miss every day. I miss every day on some of those areas, multiple times in multiple ways, but at least I know my heart and what my, and where my heart is desiring to go, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love that. You have so many great quotes in this book from other college coaches that you, you apply into kind of our, our spiritual path. One is from Bob Knight. I don't often quote Bob Knight because yep. I'm not a, uh, a Hoosier. Uh, but he says, you cannot win before you eliminate losing. I love that idea. Unpack that for us a little bit. What's that look like in our daily life? Yeah, I think you have to, just as a coach, uh, you have to identify the things that are keeping us from winning before we ever start winning. Mm-hmm. What What's causing us to lose? You have to know those you have to know those areas. You have to attack those areas, define them, and and then get rid of them, eliminate them. And that's where that film comes in. That's when those things really jump out and 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 and, and pop out on your film. If you're really looking and searching, like a coach searches a film of why did this play not work, you're looking for the reasons why it didn't work, and you have to eliminate those things before that play ever becomes successful. And I think it's the same way. In our life, I, th- I think that's in the chapter where I, I'm pretty transparent in that book. And, and the one area that grabs me is my words. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 my, my use of my words at times is not at a winning level. It, it causes me to lose in some area of my life, whether it's uh, the wrong tone with my wife or my daughter or a sharp word with someone that I'm associated with during the week. Uh, and so I'm, I have a very intentionality about eliminating those times in my life Mm. so I can, so I can win more in those areas of my life. And for other people, it might be identifying something else that's causing you to lose right now. It might be a lack of discipline with your eyes. It might be uh, a lack of discipline with your money. It might be a, a whole, there's an endless list of things that can cause us to lose, but I think you have to identify those areas attack those areas, get rid of those areas before ultimately how you want to win starts taking place. So 
l- let me ask this. Um, we have a lot of guys that are, um, you know, probably listening to this and thinking, all right, well, what does that look like in, in my life? Um, so would you just speak to the, the man's man out there that thinks this, this whole spirituality thing just seems like it's, that's fine for my wife and my mom and my daughters, but you know, how, how does that equate for me? Uh, would you just talk to the, to the guy's guy out there and how that, that connects with them? Because you've got some, you got some pretty, uh, famous guys that have written in this book that have endorsed it, that are football coaches, football players, you know, top level basketball coaches, basketball players. These are tough guys. How does faith translate for them? Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of tough guys in that book and, I actually write an entire chapter on that word you use, toughness, because it's such a hot topic right now with with men, with competitive sports, with coaches. On about any college campus you go to, that word toughness is going to be written in a locker room, on a whiteboard, in a coach's meeting somewhere. And I think true, authentic toughness right now for men as believers is not being common, being uncommon in our pursuit of Jesus, how he changes our heart, what that should look like. Um, I think some of the toughest people I know, uh, Rusty, right now are, I don't know, 50, 60, 70-year-old guys that for the last 20, 30 years have every day, they've had the discipline and the toughness to start their day every day with uh, just time with the Lord. In, in, in his written word and letting that speak to their heart and change them and all those areas that we that we need to be changed in. I think that's a great example of toughness. And, you know, it's we get one shot at life, man. It's this is not this is not a non-conference preseason exhibition game. This is it. This is the one game. This is not the Maui Invitational. No, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is the the one opportunity we have to impact those around us. And when we're going to do that now, one way or the other, don't think you can live a life that, that, that that's not impactful because it is. The question is, what type of impact are you making? Mm. And God's written words, very clear about the role of, of men in our, in our society and certainly in our homes, how we're to lead and our, our families, our wives, our children, all those things. And it's going to boil down to, an obedient decision to say, I want more out of my life than what I'm giving, what I'm getting, what I'm doing, what I'm leaving behind me. Uh, I talk about that word, that, that, that word choice in that chapter on uh, forgiveness, because I know for me as a guy, that word, I probably have had as much feedback on that chapter as any other chapter out there because men hold bitterness resentment, anger, unforgiveness towards others for some reason more than women do, but we do. Right. And I had it in my heart when I started writing that chapter and God got it out of my heart as I wrote the chapter because he took me to a whole nother level about forgiveness. And that, that whole nother level is how he defines forgiveness and what that's supposed to look like in our life. Hmm. And it became a choice for me to do that because what I was having to forgive there's no way that was going to come natural. There's no way Jimmy Dykes had enough willpower, want to, to get that 
unforgiveness out of my heart. I had to submit it to God. I had to start praying specifically for that person, for that situation when I first didn't want to. I just did it out of obedience until it became natural. And I saw God changing my heart towards that situation. So for men listening right now, I think you're going to have to buy into the concept of uh, being making a choice, making a choice of do I want to continue in my life like I am? And, and there's a lot of great things in your life. There's a lot of great things in all of us probably out there, maybe some more than others. But certainly, certainly there's an area that you know right now as you listen to this in your heart, you think, I, I know I'm missing the mark in this area of my life. And maybe this book can open my eyes to how I can go about making some change in that area. Speak to the, uh, the women that are listening right now in a couple ways. One, how this book can help them, because the principles are still the same, regardless, men or, or women. But also, for the, the wife out there that really wants their husband to step up as the spiritual leader, but is having a hard time, it feels like she's always dragging him to church, what encouragement would you give for her? Yeah, I think there's probably a lot. Uh, I, know, I know there is. I've, I've heard from, it's interesting you brought that up, I heard from a lady this morning with that, with that very similar scenario in her life. And she gave her husband a copy of the book with no, I don't know, no, no demands. No, I want you to read this because just gave him the book and said, Hey, I, I know you like sports. I saw this online. Uh, I think there might be some things in here that might, that you're going to really enjoy from the sports side. And maybe it'll speak to you in some other areas as well. And I think that's God in that book. Um, allowing his Holy Spirit to get the points across through different sports world book uh, stories, things like that. Um, but I, I think for ladies out there that have read the book, those things that I hit on from the voices that are after us every day, Rusty, there's so many voices that are attacking our ear, trying to attack our heart every day. And, that, and that's for men and women, the voice of greed, the voice of envy, the the, the voice of comparison, uh, all those voices that try to come at us, that, that that's not God's truth. That's not God's voice, overcoming those voices and making sure God's voice is louder than the other voices. I think the forgiveness thing applies to everyone out there. We, we all probably have some resentment or bitterness uh, or anxiousness in our heart that we know we need to deal with and get rid of. Uh, I, I think it's so important for my wife and I were talking about this the other night, just the, just the, the, the power behind balance in our life. And what does that look like for a mom these days when they're juggling so many things, whether they're a single mom, a working mom, uh, all those different scenarios that moms have right now, we all struggle with that word balance. And it just seems like, man, I can never do enough. I can never do enough. I can never do enough. Well, let let God speak to you through this book on what that real balance should look like and let him define what that balance should look like, not what society. So uh, that's those are those would be the things I think that mm -hmm. ladies listen to the broadcast right now. They're thinking, well, I'm going to get this book for my husband, my dad, for, for Father's Day, my son, whatever. I think this book speaks to all of us if we're at least trying to have a, a more authentic, disciplined, obedient, powerful relationship with the Lord. Hmm. 
So I want to talk to you about um, just the workplace. Um, You know, you you work, and you mentioned this earlier, how powerful those four letters are, ESPN. And I always laugh when I hear that somebody's named their child Espen uh, after the channel, which (laughs) I'd never thought of that, or that may have happened for me. But, uh, um, I mean, it it is, you know, as such a high level, Obviously, there's a great amount of pressure to get to that level, to have one of those coveted jobs. And then you work in an industry where, you know, college coaches are always on the hot seat. It's about what have you done for me lately? Um, So you have a lot of people that are cheating and trying to do whatever it takes, shortcuts. That's the world in which you have to live. Well, everybody else out there in another job, they're living with that same thing. What have you learned in just watching people that take shortcuts versus those that do things the right way and maybe sometimes get overlooked along the way? Yeah, I think the man, that's the key right there is that word consistency is huge. And Mm -hmm. there's guys that I write about in the book that if you said describe uh, Rick Barnes to me, the head coach at Tennessee, consistency would be the first word I would use. And I I think that's, man, that that holds the key to – so much success in so many different ways for all of us. That that just that one word, and it's a uh, it's but it's it comes down to again obedient choices, being intentional about your life, being intentional about the direction you want, you want to go, and how does that show up to other people? And if you're consistent in how you live, how you talk what you allow into your heart, uh, the consistency in terms of the four or five main voices you allow into your ear to influence you because we're going to get influenced now mm-hmm. by those voices that are around us every day. And if you're not consistent in terms of those kind of voices and what that's speaking into your into your ears, it quickly gets into your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference right now that I see from those highly successful people out there uh, and not talking about wins and losses on the court or on a football field. I'm talking about highly successful guys that uh, are leading their families. They have a real authentic walk with God, man, that has changed their life. That's You can just see it, how they go about their day. That word consistency is the common thread for all of them. That's so good. I, I want to ask you one last question, Jimmy. We could talk all day about college basketball and Maybe we'll have you back on when season tips off again because we're all jonesing for March Madness. It didn't happen this year. So I'd uh, love to have you back and hear your predictions. Hey, first of all, do you fill out a bracket? You know, I don't. Um, and i tell you why. It's, <laughs> Are you not allowed to? No, I, 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 I could. I mean, I don't because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm guessing like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy because I live in the weeds, man. I'm, I'm in it 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. And when that bracket comes out, after I look at that one versus 16 matchup, anything other than that, and even two years ago, we saw that in Old True, <laughs> anything other than that, I could build a case in my mind for why number 15 is going to beat number two that very first opening day. Right. So it just I just sit back and watch it and enjoy it. My wife and daughter fill out brackets and, my, and they, they get involved with fun ones in their school or whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, people say, well, who, who, who should I pick? And I'll give them the four or five teams I was most impressed with in the regular season. And I, I say, I think these teams have the best chance of getting to the final four. 
I mean, I, 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 and I'm, and I'm, and I'm pretty, I'm, I, and I should be, I'm pretty good at knowing those five or six teams, mm. but man, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a guess getting there. And uh, the next time the bracket comes out, we have one. I would just say this, make sure the team that you pick to win it, they have a shade of blue in their school color. <laughs> Cause you start going back and you start looking at the last 20 national champions I, I think only once in the last 20 years has that winning team not had a shade of blue as part of their school color. It's only happened once or twice. Wow. I'm, I'm scanning back. <laughs> I mean, obviously. So just go with that. Obviously, UNLV, Arkansas, but that's that's beyond 20 years. I, I think that's it, you know, because Indiana hasn't won one in the last 20 years. Right. There hasn't been a team out of the Big Ten that's won one. So I know I know Indiana hasn't won it. So. Wow. You're going to go with those shades of blue from Carolina to Duke to Kentucky to Kansas, yep. uh, Villanova, uh-huh. Gonzaga. I thought they should they could have gotten there this year. Dayton had blue in their uniform, just, just enough. The red, <laughs> white, a little bit of blue in there. Uh, just a year from now or, or 11 months from now when that bracket comes out, just remember this podcast. Jimmy Dyke said, make sure whoever I, whoever wins it, has a shade of blue in their school color, and you're going to be in, you're going to be in pretty good shape. <laughs> that is great advice. I'd never thought about that before. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. It's I mean, it is such a guessing game because you just never know. Yeah, and that's what makes it so fun, Jimmy. This has been so fun just chatting with you, and I um, I look forward to doing that again sometime. All the best on the book, and for all of our listeners, the book is called "The Film Doesn't Lie: Evaluating Your Life One Play at a Time." Uh, you can pick it up off of Amazon and it's by Jimmy Dykes D-Y-K-E-S and just a great, great read Uh, for all of our listeners I want to thank you for tuning in as always we'll be back uh, with new content next week and the best way to get that content is subscribe to the newsletter PastorRustyGeorge.com sign up for it there and you'll get that sent to your mailbox every single time until next time let's continue to act justly love mercy and walk humbly